she told one of my coworkers, like, oh, yeah, Lindsay's our mechanic. And her response was, Lindsay's a bike mechanic? <laughs> uh, because, no, I, I wasn't. Welcome to Stand Up Pedal Action. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Supa. As we roll into the end of the year, we have some really fun stuff coming up for you. In the next few weeks, we have stories of embarrassing bike injuries, close calls in 4x4 rollovers, giant flightless bird sightings, and some tips on how to shoot a gun when your heart rate is at 180 beats a minute. We also talk about some bike stuff too, as it turns out. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of the fun. And we also have socks. If you want to show your love for Supa out on the trail, we made some socks with the logo right down the side. On our new website, which is in the works, we will have a store properly. But in the meantime, you can reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook if you'd like to grab a pair. The links are in the show notes. With all that out of the way, let's get on with today's show. Here at Supa, we are passionate about getting as many people on trail as possible. That means more than just the bros. Today on the show, we talk to rider, racer, coach, former race mechanic, and current SRAM employee, Lindsay Watson, about her passion for cycling and what it will take to get more women into outdoor sports and the outdoor industry at large. Welcome everyone to Stand Up Pedal Action. Today in studio, we have Lindsay Watson, uh, who is quite a proponent of cycling in our community. Uh, she is active with the Women's Mountain Biking Association here in Colorado Springs uh, and coaches for a bunch of different organizations. I'm probably missing a few, but I saw Grit Clinics, Ladies All Ride, and Vita Mountain Bike Series. And we'll, we, can, we can touch on that further here. Uh, and your profession is working at SRAM here in Colorado Springs as a suspension... Is it marketing, what'd you say? Product manager. Product, product, product manager. Man. Yep. <laughs> Very good. So rock shocks <laughs> for the win. Uh, and I also found through some investigation that you are a team mechanic for Juliana, which that's I pretty was, cool. Was well, past tense. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if it happened once, yeah. it still counts, yeah. right? There was a lot of past tense there, but we can go into that. Okay. All right. That's well, great. We will get into that. <laughs> well, Lindsay, welcome you. to the show. Thanks. Thanks for yes. having me. Uh, yeah. Super exciting. Yeah. We'd love to hear a little bit about how you got to where you are now and where you came from. First of all, are you one of the rare breed of actual natives here in Colorado or not quite? Almost. Almost. Yes. All right. How close? Five. Okay. Moved here when Pretty I was close. five years old. Ooh. All right. Nice. Uh, moved to Colorado Springs for a couple years and then landed in Monument, Colorado. So just up the road. All right. Uh, went to high school up there. Um graduated went to it was mesa state college at the time now it's colorado mesa university and yeah Junction, yeah okay um on a soccer scholarship i was gonna so, say worst places in the world to spend your collegiate years well i thought so at the time because i wasn't an outdoor i wasn't in outdoor sports oh okay so grand junction was terrible so how does one grow up a monument and not end up yes, in outdoor sports because soccer was life okay uh, <laughs> soccer and then basketball on the side but uh -huh. um, but soccer was life yeah like ever since i was i mean i was probably put into competitive soccer as early as i could probably mm -hmm. five okay um and then got super competitive with it around 12 13 what position most of the mostly time mostly midfield okay um and then tried to go the olympic development training route uh, mm -hmm. didn't really succeed there wanted a full ride college scholarship and all i cared about was soccer and then getting good grades to get a full ride scholarship into <laughs> so college. We, had a, we had a clear hierarchy here yes soccer yes rest of everything yes all right uh there was no outdoors like mountains were just like that's just they're just over there they're just dressing there in the yeah, way yeah yeah. Uh, didn't really grow up camping much. Mm -hmm. There'd be like road trips to see scenic areas. Sure. Um, no hiking. Which was all nope. just down boring time because yeah. you weren't playing soccer. No, yeah. No biking. Yeah. Everything uh -huh. was soccer. Every weekend, practice four days a week. So does this mean the um, like 
traveling teams yes. all over yeah. the re- like nationally? Uh, yeah, all over the U.S. Okay. Um. So, yeah, that was life. That was the reason I existed was soccer. <laughs> and was it the just the raw athleticism of it, or the competition, or like uh, what was it that drew you to it? The camaraderie as well. Yeah. Just feeling part of a team. Mm-hmm. Um. All of it, like a place I belonged. Um. Yeah. The athletic venture of it. Yeah. And the traveling that came with it. Um best friends on your team yeah all of it all right yeah. and so that got you to grand junction to one year of college yeah Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. and then i turned out i hated grand junction oh it's, uh, <laughs> sorry yeah, grand junction at the time it was a i was a city girl oh uh, and yeah too far too far from denver <laughs> too far from colorado springs nothing to do in grand junction mm-hmm. um and so I'm going to put air quotes around nothing. Nothing. For the yes, adventure exactly. set. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I went on a hike once when I was there on the national, the Mesa. Right. Um, Did you have some good you beaches? Make it, yeah. You make it sound like that was an accident. Yeah. Like it you was, went on a, oh. actually. It was like a search rescue party to help find. Yeah. It was like a volunteer effort. <laughs> like so yes, it was. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. After that first year, I kind of decided to head back this way and I thought I was going to go to UNC in Greeley um but mm-hmm. NCAA rules you can't like transfer right. within conferences or you got to take time off and, it's like the red shirt thing right yeah and mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that um so kind of running out of options and I ended up at UCCS which didn't have a soccer team um thought about trying to play basketball at UCCS but same issue, the NCAA mm-hmm. rules. So stopped playing soccer. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you just said <laughs> in three words what sounds like a massive life change, though. Yeah. I kind of I kind of gave it all up. Um, competitive soccer still would play indoor, mm-hmm. um, but gave it up for gave it up in terms of playing college soccer. Okay. Um, and was this, was this difficult for you? I mean, oh yeah. Okay. Massive. Yeah. Identity crisis. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't really know UCCS was like the school that you went to that nobody wanted to go to, especially if you're from Colorado Springs. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go to Boulder or go out of state. (laughs) Right. Um, so it's come a long way. Yeah. We'll we'll be honest. It's expanded quite a bit, but a few years ago there was not much up there on the 2002. Yeah, there it wasn't was a, a whole lot up on the bluff. School, yeah, like absolutely, yeah. So yikes. Yeah, I spent the first year there pretty miserable, mm-hmm. um, and just tried to. I was like working at a veterinary hospital part time, working at restaurants part time, um, and then eventually, I don't even know how this happened, but I w- had this desire to work at REI and like. I think I was missing the athletic endeavor of soccer and wanted some form of fitness, being outside. I was going to say, because Dick's Sporting Goods sounds like it's more (laughs) in the line of what you had been doing than REI. Yeah. And maybe being at UCCS, I think I probably met people who were into like rock climbing and the outdoor sports. And so I figured the easiest way to get into outdoor sports, considering the cost was to go work at REI and get all the pro deals. Okay. So it seems um, like a pretty pragmatic yeah. decision. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so once I started at REI, I also joined um, a campus ministry organization at UCCS. Okay. And like so many friends, so many friends involved in the outdoor space. Um, try Got to try every sport working at REI. So mm-hmm. it was like... Ice climbing, backpacking, camping, mountain biking, road biking, rock climbing, running, everything. Um, and kind of got to pick and choose like what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and then kind of became satisfied with my decision to stay at UCCS. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. Started getting friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Community, sense mm-hmm. of community. And then decided that my soccer days weren't over yet and did a missions trip to 
Thailand with athletes athletes in action. Oh wow, okay. Where um, in Thailand? Uh we were in Bangkok and Phuket. Oh, okay. And then we went yep. to Myanmar. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Um, when you could still get in. Yeah, there. I was gonna say that's not exactly a thing one does yeah. all the time anymore. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All right. Yeah, what was so that was, like? The Myanmar part of it. If oh, you could sum it up surreal. quick. Surreal. Yeah. Like I remember it's like it was a different life that I lived, like landing on this small plane in this rugged airport. And everywhere we went, we were followed by guards and protected. Um, the guards and the officials of Myanmar knew all of our citizenships, but we were told that if anyone confronted us on the streets, we were to say we were all Canadian. Uh, <laughs> pretty um, standard practice for Americans yeah, abroad, if we're honest. And the billboards read like Canadian soccer team versus Myanmar women's national team. No way. So wow. we were Canadians when we were in Myanmar. Really? Uh, where we slept this, it was actually a really nice hotel, uh, but guards walking around the whole night. Like 24-7. Yeah. Wow. Uh, to protect us. But went Holy to cow. some temples mm-hmm. that just mind-blowing. Oh, I bet. Uh, they didn't yeah. make you like stand and try to mumble your way through like the Canadian National Anthem or anything, <laughs> no. did they? Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> and hardly anyone speaks English, so it <laughs> right. was just, um, yeah. Just made it easier. Yeah. I think we met with some of the officials, some of the Myanmar officials, and had dinner and... Um, yeah, they were so happy and appreciative we were there playing their national team. And um, who won? Um, I think we beat the Myanmar national team, but I think the Thai women's team like spanked us every <laughs> game. Um, but the- it also, it was six months after the big tsunami hit. Oh, so this yeah. This was in 2005. Uh huh. Yeah. And like wiped the beaches of Phuket. Right. So they had some other stuff going on. Yeah, so we were there kind of as a relief effort mm-hmm. yeah. um, to help kind of clean up the beaches, brought over jerseys and soccer sure, balls, sure, and yeah. um, then played their national team. So And got whooped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, a little humbling here and there. Yeah. 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 So this is the, the soccer journey. Were those the only places that you went or did you continue? No, that was it. And that was kind of my last hurrah at soccer. Okay. Um, I came back and that was 2005, the summer of 2005. And I was like, I'm content. Like I can be done. Like that trip was so amazing, incredible, incredible to see how sport can like bridge cultural and language barriers um, and do good in the world. And I was like, I... What more can I do? I'm done. I don't need to play soccer ever again. Wow. All right. Yeah. Like, it's not too often that people hit that point in a given sport where they say, like, all right, that's it. Yeah. I'm out. And I had kind of been struggling with it and, like, whether I should go on the trip or not because everyone else who was on the team was actively playing college soccer. And I'd kind of been out of it for a year at the time. And so it was like, am I in over my head here? Like... Am I just going to sit the bench the whole time? Should I even go? And so I went and was like, that was incredible. But I, I think Sayonara, like yeah. we're calling it right yep. there. Yeah. Wow. What, what <sighs> turn did life take from there then? Um, so then it was, yeah, working at REI. Uh, I had dreams of going to veterinary school. So I was getting a degree in biology at UCCS. Although, according to our notes, it looks like your master's took a different turn. Yes. So, my undergrad's in biology with a minor in philosophy, and then finished the biology degree and realized that I didn't have straight A's to get into vet school because the vet school at CSU is, like, more competitive than med school. <laughs> um, and I was like, no, and I don't want to be in debt for ever. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's amazing how competitive it is. To get into debt. Yeah. 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 And there were, there's plenty of small animal vets in the world. So it would have just <laughs> been really okay. competitive. Mm-hmm. And so I had kind of decided that I wanted a master's degree in philosophy, uh, but I didn't want to have to take the, uh, is it the GDE? The GRE. GRE. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Denver Seminary in Denver Uh, accepted me and then I didn't even know if I'd finish like I kind of just went in and was like 
oh, some of these classes sound really, really interesting. Like, uh-huh. it's going to be a great personal journey. I'm going to get to, like, question my own faith. I'm going <laughs> to get to explore the religions of the world yeah. and figure out why I believe what I believe. Like, this is going to be great. Um, And then I ended up finishing. Yeah. And then was like, okay, well, now what? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> The and, one great question that philosophy majors never answer. <laughs> now what? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so I took some time. I think at that point, I think through, no, at the end of grad school uh, was when I made the transition from REI to SRM mm-hmm. and then started teaching at Pikes Peak Community College. Okay. So I kind of explored, like, do I want to be an instructor? Do I want to go the professor route? Mm-hmm. And started teaching some introduction to philosophy classes. Um, decided that that wasn't really for me, um, but was still being drawn to this outdoor space, which at the time was purely just mostly my passion. I wouldn't consider it a profession. It was just kind of a a bonus. Like Mm. you do this job, you get sweet pro deals, but like, what do you really want to do with your life? Right. What are you going to do when you grow up? Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up, uh, running into the owner of SRM at Sugar's downtown <laughs> one evening. Okay. Um, and he was having dinner with this girl that I had met on a Women's Mountain Bike Association ride. Okay. So REI kind of got me involved in Wumba um, in the early days, so maybe year two or three of Wumba. Oh, wow. Um, when it was very yeah, brand like real new. small and real new yeah and so i met steph at one of these rides and then i saw her at sugars and she introduced me to her boss uli and i was like oh cool like nice to meet you and then i kind of went back over to uh the table i was having dinner with some girlfriends and i was like oh that's the owner of srm and they're like what's srm and i'm like i don't really know cycling <laughs> something yeah bike thing and then there i was like well I'm looking for a job, like a real job. Maybe they're hiring. And so I just went up and was like, hey, like, are you guys hiring by chance? So just at Sugar's, you just yeah. back to your table. Wait a minute. I should go ask for a job. And then wandered back over and inquire, did that. <laughs> yeah, inquire, yeah, yeah. Like, there we go. Hey, I really like cycling. We'll see. <laughs> well, okay, hang on before we go further. Uh, we might have just skipped a step. Was cycling starting to sort of, I mean, you've established that when you started REI, you kind of went for the sampler platter of yep. all the outdoor stuff all at once. And was cycling kind of coming to the top from the beginning? Um, I wouldn't say from the beginning. I think in the beginning, climbing rose to the top um, and then did a little bit of ice climbing, decided that being outside when it's that cold and not moving very quickly <laughs> isn't really Maybe not your jam. cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, so rock climbing was moving to the top and then cycling. And then when I got involved with the women's mountain biking association, cycling really rose to the top. Cause it was like, here's a new community. Here's a community of friends as well, which who also like riding bikes, which probably was, sounds like it might've been an important part for you coming from the community aspect of soccer. Yeah. It's like, I found a team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Awesome. And then I joined their race team. With no prior background in racing, um, but a competitive background. I was going to say, it was just like raw competition and athleticism and no mountain bike skill early yeah, on. Yeah, my mountain bike skill was um, pretty sketchy. <laughs> At first, I was on a, I don't know if you remember, Price Point, oh, yeah. the online website. Yeah. yeah, I had a set, SETI frame, <laughs> aluminum Not a Yeti, frame. SETI. Yes. Um Built up, so a hardtail, you know, no seat dropper. And I was like, I am going to figure this out. And I would just go to Palmer Park and I'd follow people (laughs) down and I would crash all the time. Like I was the liability on the rides. (laughs) People were afraid to kind of take me riding. Oh my God. Because they'd be like watching, but not really want to watch. Okay. So I've got one friend who used to play semi pro soccer when he was growing up. The thing about him was, though, all the training of knowing how to get tripped and then just kind of ball up and keep running. He knew how to fall. So he would fall all the time, but yep. he somehow never got injured. Yes. Was that you? Yes. That's amazing. That I want that skill. Knock on wood. Yeah. Knock on wood. But yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, how did the bike survive all these crashes, though? Well, I was aluminum. Oh, so it's fine. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, no carbon parts. So right. Yeah, it survived. Okay. Um, and then when I got involved with the Women's Mountain Biking Association and the race team, mm-hmm. uh, we got some deals through Colorado Cyclists. So I got a brand new, like, giant trance mountain bike. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my first full suspension. With a seat dropper, Big but it had now. one of those Crank Brothers seat droppers where you had to reach under the uh-huh. seat and yep. the and lever. actually like grab it from yep, the nose. to drop it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So yeah. what was your first race? I have no idea. <laughs> it was that remember. memorable. Okay. <laughs> uh, What's the first one you remember? Yeah. I, I would say the most like, the ones that I remember, I did 24 hours of Colorado Springs at Palmer Park. Oh, yeah. Um, when that was here, it was like a national right championship. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, I was out there for that as a spectator. When you, yeah. yeah. Great. I love Palmer Park and riding it at night is, mm-hmm. makes it even more experience. challenging. Whole different yes. game. Yes. <clears throat> uh, I did like 12 hours of Mesa Verde, um, mm-hmm. Steamboat Stinger, the 50 miler. Um, and then I kind of got into what was Super D racing, what's mm, now Enduro. Yeah. Right. Um, did some of those. I even did a downhill race at, I think it was called Sol Vista. Oh, yeah. The one outside Granby. Um, I kind of tried all the disciplines. Um, never did a road race. I did some cyclocross races. Uh, I did a sprint triathlon. <laughs> Just trying it all. Yeah, tried it all. Yeah. Um, Enduro is definitely my favorite. I probably did like a few BMEs here mm-hmm. and there. Yeah. Um, and was that not only your favorite, but the one that you found you're excelling at? Because some of us love a kind of racing we're not actually good at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I liked it partly because I was better at it than any other discipline. And um, for me, again, the like camaraderie and all the people and a BME is like a full weekend of camping right. with your friends. Um, Qualifying, back up on the hill for the race. Yeah. yeah the climbing stages are untimed. Mm-hmm. That's amazing (laughs) um and just continue to meet more and more people through that yeah and yeah so did the whole enduro racing scene for a little bit yeah uh and then uh would you say a little bit did uh, something pull you out of it or just kind of no i think it got to the point where um i wasn't that good i was teetering between that line of like amateur and pro but didn't want to dedicate the time to like training the money required to go to all of these races oh yeah it's not Um, cheap yeah and i didn't want to get hurt and i felt like that was my next question yeah yeah to push to that next level i really would have had to take a lot more risk Mm -hmm. um and i wanted to be able to still run and go to work and <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's yeah. I, I get that yeah. um it's one of the things you know a lot of people move out of cross country or gravel or some other you know discipline like that where eventually they just say look i don't have the time to train or i'm aging out of it but downhill or enduro there is that other factor of extreme danger and how far are you going to push and how injured are you willing to get yeah so did you sure. have any close calls or any scary moments during any of those races, or you just kind of saw it coming and thought, yeah, yeah I don't really want to go I there. I had a small tear to my meniscus, a racing steamboat. Um, just kind of saw it coming. Also got to the point where I just wanted to ride bikes for fun and not have the pressure. I appreciate um, that. And those same trails that we were racing on i can just go and ride with my friends <laughs> right yeah you can for um, free yeah for whatever free, you want hey four hundred dollars for a weekend <laughs> so it was great um i mean i met a lot of cool people i have huge respect for people who race especially people who race for a living mm-hmm. um but wasn't in the cards for me right on All right. we we established that the, the cycling journey kind of rose to the surface so let's let's go back to yeah. uh sugars mm-hmm. oh yeah sugars Uli. yeah that, that was a i will uh, to this day i can recount like who was there um i probably even remember what i ate i don't know it was very memorable just because i walked up to him and asked like oh 
my name's Lindsay. You know, I work at REI. I have friends with Stephanie. Um, Stephanie was telling me what she does at SRM. Are you by chance hiring? And his response was, are you good on the phones? And I immediately <laughs> thought, oh, no, like customer service. Yeah. Sit on the phone all day. And I kind of went with it and was like, yeah, you know, I can I can talk on the phone. And he's like, gives me his email address. And he's like, OK, come in for a tour. And he's German. So it's like, yeah. come, you come in, you for, come a in tour. for a tour. Yes. And I kind of took it and went back to my seat with my friends and was like, oh, yeah, you know, cool, whatever. And then Stephanie, Stephanie and Uli left. And then five of us girls were still sitting at the table and we went to pay and the server says, oh, that man, that guy at the bar took care of your tab. Oh. And I was like, all right, I owe this guy a tour, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> he bought dinner. Uh, well, so at yeah, least yeah. a thank you email. Yeah. And why not just go in for a tour? Yeah. Um, so I contacted him. He set me up with Leslie, who was the office manager at the time. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, if I'm going to go in for a tour, I'm going to look on their website and see what they do. And I'm yeah. going to bring a resume just in case. Yeah. Um, and it just, the stars kind of aligned. Like when I went in, uh, Amy Creed was kind of on her way out and they needed a replacement for her and kind of handed them my resume. And then two weeks later, I got a phone call with a salary full-time with benefits position, which was the first that I've had. And that's um, pretty crazy because in the outdoor space... There are people who work years and fight hard to try to get a job working in the industry they love. Yeah. And here you just walked up to Lee at a bar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah. really style though. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, SRM, I, I mean, for those who don't know, it is a pretty incredible little business that's tucked away in a neighborhood with a really unique building and has some pretty powerful cycling history behind it. How would you describe what SRM is? Um, I think at the time when I started, it was really the only crank-based power meter system on the market. Um, very expensive, but the Pro Tour teams used them. Everybody swore by them. Mm -hmm. And there was no other competition for crank-based power measurement that was that accurate. So it was the glory days. Like, it was fun, um, rewarding, you know, got to hang out with pro riders. I kind of became a roadie myself. I hate to admit that, but I did own a road bike. I Ooh. did wear Lycra every once in a while. Um, and it's yeah, okay, it was, we don't judge. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool to hear. Obviously, there's a little more competition in it now, but they are still kind of the definitive. In the power meter realm. Yeah, I think they, when I was there, it was always known as the gold standard. Um, and I think even though competition, including SRAM, um, we own Quark, so we have a competing item. But I still think they are definitely still the most expensive um, way up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where did that take you in the industry? Like, How long were you there before? Um, I was at SRM for five years. I think I stepped in as kind of a customer service, customer support role. Uh, SRM is a very small company here in the U.S. Headquarters are in Germany. So a lot of us wore eight different hats. So I got to learn about marketing. Um, I was even like soldering wires at times. I was calibrating no power meters. Like I got to kind of do it all. Um, did a bunch of stuff with sales. So marketing, sales, customer service, and then even got to do some hands-on stuff just to kind of keep things moving. You kind of just had to step up and do whatever, whatever needed to be done. Um, and through that, I, I was mountain biking a lot. Most of us there were not roadies. We were yeah. true mountain bikers uh, that had road bikes and went on road rides sometimes, but all of our passion was was for mountain biking and um started to develop some friendships with some people who worked at SRAM and kind of kind of knew maybe halfway through my journey at SRM like 
getting a little restless, um, wanted a little bit more. Uh, and so started looking and really didn't know what I wanted to do, but knew that I wanted to be at SRAM. Yeah. Um, just the company culture, the CEO, the reputation of SRAM in the industry, um, the people who work there had great things to say. And I was kind of looking for a place that I could go career-wise uh, where I could really stand behind the company values. They aligned with me, um, Yeah, the CEO, the upper management. So mm -hmm. I knew like SRAM was where I wanted to be, but I didn't know what I wanted to do or how to get there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Again, pretty common story, especially in this town. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the coaching side of things come from? When did that pop into the... Uh, so that came in. So I started with SRAM in January of 2015 as a product data coordinator. Um, it's basically an assistant role to the product managers. Um, and immediately when I got in there, well, I probably spent a year kind of just trying to like figure out the ropes see if this is really where I want it to be. And then they were creating what's called the SRAM, SRAM Women's Program. Um, and basically it's coaching women writers, uh, outreach for women, building up women in community, um, but specifically targeted at female cyclists. And so I contacted the person who ran that program, kind of got involved with her and then said, "Hey, you know, I don't I don't coach right now, but I would like to maybe do some mountain bike coaching and then I needed to go and get a like a certification, like a PMBIA certification." And then I did and then she sent me to the first Coaching experience I had, I, I coached with Vita. So Vita is out of Denver. Um, so coached some with them. And then my coworker sent me to Grand Targhee, Wyoming, to coach with Ladies All Ride. Um, so I show up there, have no idea who anyone is. Um, they actually thought I was just like a spy from SRAM. <laughs> uh, because we sponsor ladies all ride and so they oh. thought that maybe i was just going to like you're like secret shopping their own thing to make sure it's yeah. working out yeah because um, <laughs> no they didn't know me and i didn't know them yeah and i just show up from sram like hey i'm here to coach <laughs> like, um, <laughs> sure you are yeah. yeah so it turned out to be one of the best experiences of my life because it just uh revalidated why I was in this industry, the passion that I have for this industry, uh, the passion that I have for women's mountain biking to grow. What was it about that experience that brought all that out? I think it's just seeing so many different women of all ages, all body types show up in one place with like this common goal of mountain biking and it could be they have no skill to advanced riders there's moms there's people who have just lost their husbands there's people who just got divorced there's people who have survived cancer um and everyone's there for a different reason but to see it all come out in one weekend and the things that these women experience on the bike that translates to the rest of their lives um like if they're fearful and, you know, all this stuff happened in their past, but getting on a bike and overcoming this obstacle, like what that does to transform their mental thinking in the rest of their lives. And so that was hugely powerful to see that for so many of these women, like mountain biking is not just a bike that you just go and sit on and you ride every once in a while. Like Mountain biking to them holds so much meaning and freedom um, in their lives. And I think to see that firsthand, Ladies All Right does an incredible job. So super powerful. That is awesome. From your perspective, I'd be curious to hear, there are plenty of dudes who just go out and ride 
and jump off stuff and get tired and fall over and get bloody. And that's the end of it. Like, obviously, some of us guys connect with the deeper meaning of cycling and the lessons in life and the community and blah, blah, blah. But there's plenty of guys who they just want to ride because it's fun. Full stop. Yep. Why do you think it is that all that meaning you were just talking about seems to be so much more apparent in the women's side of mountain biking? I don't really know, but it did occur to me at one of the ladies all ride clinics I coached at that my view of mountain biking was very much like the the dude view of (laughs) just going out and riding your mountain bike and making sure you're getting better every time and crashing and getting up and going and doing it it again. Let's go huck some Um, stuff, bro. Yeah, it was, I didn't really connect with the emotional aspect of it. Uh, And it took these camps and just talking through women and learning these stories uh, the different backgrounds, uh, yeah, just the paths that every woman took to get there, that it started connecting with me, that, like, there's so much more to mountain biking than just mountain biking. And I don't, I don't know, I don't actually think it's, like, just with women. I think it's just easier maybe to access that side of it with women, um, whereas maybe guys can can be a little more resistant to <laughs> anything that has to do with uh, the F word. Feelings. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Well, that's really cool to hear. And that's something that, you know, we're, we're very passionate about to kind of take mountain biking in a, in a deeper direction. Obviously there's, there's plenty of fun to be had on the surface level and the idea of challenging yourself and pushing yourself and the adrenaline rush and the flow state, all that stuff. It's great. But, when you can take it steps further, it becomes far more applicable to your life. And I really think women have that down a lot better than guys do. Especially in the community side of it, not only feeling all the yeah. stuff, connecting with your own story in it, but then being able to share it with other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's not yeah, something. And that's what's so powerful about these camps too, is um, you're only, you're only with a group for two days, but you meet as complete strangers, your group. And by the end of it, there's like phone numbers being exchanged, life stories being shared, like people are friends forever. And then they make plans to come back next year. And yeah, that's a huge aspect of it um, is the community, the camaraderie, the friendships, the, oh, you too? Yeah, me too. So it it seems like these dots just continue connecting for you. And is, is great. Clinics a part of that as well? Like how- yeah, Grit Clinics, I think they're the um, kind of independent. They're like part of it, but they just do independent, like one-on-one private coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got involved with Grit Clinics. So I've done some private coaching around the Springs. Uh, been to a few ladies all-ride camps, coached for Vita, and then the SRAM Women's Program. Um, I've coached with them that we've put on clinics at like Sedona Mountain Bike Festival and then at Whistler Crankworks. I think that's it for the coaching. Well, yeah. something we touched on at the beginning is that you you somehow ended up with uh, the Juliana race team. And I hear that there's a story in that too. <laughs> um, yeah, there's probably lots of stories. <laughs> How yeah. did you get involved? Um. So I think it was, I think through the first few years at SRAM, um, you know, I, I got my feet wet with some coaching, um, was really trying to expand my horizons and figure out like what I really wanted to do at SRAM and went to Crankworks Whistler one year with the SRAM women's program and then hung out with Kelly Emmett, who Kelly at the time was working for Juliana. Um, she had just transitioned from professional racing of her own and had taken on a sports marketing role with Juliana and kind of connected with her. I'd always known her, you know, I've probably known her in the community for 10 years as like the badass enduro racer in Colorado Springs. Um, <laughs> well, we joke around. I always tell her like, you would never ride with me. And, I, and she's like, no, you were, you would never ride with me. Like, the, oh, yeah, yeah. I was too intimidated. Well, you never. Yeah. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we f- kind of figured out that we only lived like two blocks from each other in Colorado Springs while we were in Crane Kirk's Whistler. It took us. Uh, you got to go all the way there to figure that out. <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, 
started hanging out, riding bikes, inclining, and then I think it was a February one year, she asked me if I knew any female mechanics um, because the Juliana Sram Enduro team, five women, needed a mechanic. And I was kind of thought, and I was like, um, not really. Um, yeah. Like, but, but tell me more. Like, is this full-time? Is this part-time? Uh, and she said, oh, it's, you know, it's part-time. It's maybe four races a year. Um, we would just pay, you know, full expenses and yada, yada. You'd be wrenching on five girls' bikes. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah, cool. I'll keep my, keep my ears and eyes open. And then a few days later, I was like, oh, well, actually, I can, I think I can do that. I mean, SRAM sponsors <laughs> the Juliana race team. So it would make sense yeah. that, you know, it's all SRAM parts. I know SRAM parts. Like, uh, yeah, How I can do can it. it be? And she's like, oh, you're a mechanic? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a, bike, I'm a bike mechanic. I mean, I can, uh, Replace a shifter and some brake pads <laughs> and uh, <laughs> replace some tires. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then I was like, okay, it's February. Sea otters in April in my head. I was like, this person, this person, this person could teach me how to do these things. I know there's YouTube videos on how to bleed brakes. And <laughs> yeah, I could probably figure this out. Oh, and my gosh. And she's like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, run it, you know, run it by SRAM and yeah, see. And then I went back to her and I was like, yeah, when's the first race? <laughs> She's like, it's a sea otter, month and a half. And then she told one of my coworkers, like, oh, yeah, Lindsay's our mechanic. And her response was, Lindsay's a bike mechanic? <laughs> uh, because, no, I, I wasn't uh, at the time. But now uh -huh. I am a self-taught bike mechanic. There we go. All right. Um, yeah. So. And so how did that go? Like, was your, like when you got to see otter or subsequent races yeah were you did you find out that you knew what you needed to or were you suddenly in yeah, over your head um sea otter i was so nervous and it would be i would be like no i have to wash all of these bikes i will stay up till midnight washing all of these bikes and they will look <laughs> pristine after every single day and uh -huh. um definitely trying to go kind of above and beyond to prove myself because <laughs> right. i was deathly scared uh, but Again, that con the consistency in my life of needing to feel part of a team and community, um, that was incredible. Like, I wasn't the one bike racing, uh, but being in a supporting role, but being part of a team and helping other people achieve something, like, it brought me back to my soccer days, traveling on a team, um, all fighting for a common goal, all working together. And I loved it. And I got to go to some of the most beautiful places. Um, Revelstoke, uh, all over California, Tahoe area, few Crankworks Whistlers, few Sea Otters. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. Jealous. Yeah. Yeah. And just wrenching on bikes. And it was more than just bike mechanic. It was kind of Kelly was known as the, the team mom. Um, and I was the bike mechanic, but it definitely took both of us to, uh, you know, buy food, cook meals, just keep five girls in line. <laughs> um, it took both of us. So it was exhausting, but so rewarding. And I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. In any of those races, did any of the girls bring you back just like the remnants of a bike? Like here, <laughs> where you're just asking yourself, like, how yeah. on earth did this happen? No, I don't think there was any major catastrophes. Um, it was all pretty basic, you know, like, oh, there's noises here and trying to detect noises. A lot of tire changes just based on courses or if the the conditions changed overnight. Um, times where we're driving around in the middle of the night in California trying to find an air compressor. <laughs> um, yeah yeah <laughs> wow but and how long did that last for you i think i did that for two seasons um and then yeah i think two seasons and then i was kind of going through a transition in my job 
Um, I think the team was going through a transition, and then Kelly now works for SRAM, so <laughs> it yeah. kind of just fizzled fizzled off. Um, but it, it was great. Same with the coaching. Like I going through a, a major job transition. Um, the coaching has become kind of a lower priority, but I, I don't regret or forget like the meaningful impact. I just see it as like it was something that fulfilled me and gave me so much life. Uh, but I'm not hung up on like needing to go back and relive that. Like I did that. I'm satisfied with that. It all has helped me get this job that I have now that I've been working really hard for. So um, I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at with not having the coaching in my life the team mechanic in my life because I'm content and also very excited with this new role. Um, if we ever get out of COVID and can travel again, <laughs> uh, what that yeah. will open up for the future. So yeah. what does your current role look like at SRAM? Uh, so I'm a part of the product management team for RockShox. So there's four of us. Uh, we split it up with rear suspension. So I've got all the, I'm in charge of all the rear shock product line. And then we have um, short travel forks product manager. We've got long travel forks product manager. And then we have kind of our middle to economy or best value fork product manager. So between the four of us, we kind of manage the whole RockShox portfolio. But day to day, um, I work with a team lead, a project manager. And then I work with a group of engineers. Again, I get to work on a large team. Hey, there we go. (laughs) Yes. Lots of uh, teamwork, camaraderie. That's, as you now know my journey, that's the most important thing to me is um, the teamwork, the camaraderie, the community aspect of it. And um, yeah, I get to work with a great great bunch of guys and gals. Um, But my main role is kind of setting the direction, the product direction. Uh, and then making sure that we are making the best rear shocks on the market. Right, it's on. pretty nice ones. I'll say that. Yeah, thanks. Because if you write through that wall in the garage, actually, yeah. if we're not lying. <laughs> um, so, what? Given that we've established that this idea of community and teamwork and belonging and involvement is huge for you. Yep. What do you wish, if you could snap your fingers, you could see changed or added to the overall mountain biking space? To make their to make that be more of a thing, no pressure. Yeah, yeah, big picture. Solve all the problems. Yeah, we just asked a philosophy major question. She went real quiet. That probably means we're in trouble. Uh, <laughs> how do you know that you know that you yeah. know? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think um, therefore I am. Hmm. No, <laughs> it's not good enough. I don't know. I think one thing for me that I would really like to see this. This pertains to the the outdoor industry as a whole, but really the bike industry is um, more women, um, more women in leadership positions, more women in technical positions, um, just more women in the meeting rooms at the table contributing to the conversation. And to be clear here, you're talking about that, like what you just said, more women involved in the professional day-to-day work side of the industry. Yep. Not so much where a lot of people put emphasis is, yeah, we need more women riders or hikers or whatever. We need more participants, which is true. I think the two affect each other and go hand in hand. Um, I think the more women there are working in the industry, we will see more female riders um, just being inspired and compelled and like, oh, so awesome like that female engineer created what i'm writing yeah um and making that connection but yeah i do have a deep desire to just see more women in the professional space and that makes a ton of sense because i as a dude in the outdoor space for a while now i've been a part of any number of conversations where i have to just kind of stand against the wall and get out of the way while the women that i know complain about the fact that Here's all this crappy gear that was clearly made for men, and they just made it a bunch of pastel colors and said it was the women's version. Yeah. Because there's something different about created by women 
for women. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, you've heard the stories of a woman walks into a bike shop and there's all guys that work there and treats her as if she doesn't know what she's talking about, uh, kind of dismisses her, doesn't take her seriously. Right. Um, that's an exact, an exact example of more women in bike shops. Well, we've, we've even had uh, Caroline Bloom, who works over Criterion, here on the show, and she talked about the other side of that, of being a woman in a bike shop, Yep, <laughs> knowing how to offer competent advice or counsel to customers who come in and ask for a man to talk to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I ran into that a little bit just on the team mechanic circuit, too. Uh, there's not a lot. I think it was myself and the Live Giant team had a female mechanic, and that was it. For female mechanics on the race circuit uh the year the years that i did it so um i kind of want to overcome those hurdles and barriers that may prevent women from feeling like they can step into the more technical roles um you can learn this super techie stuff uh so have you personally seen some progression in the right direction in that realm I have. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, I've been at SRAM for almost seven years now. Uh, and I think, I think SRAM has done a great job and is one of the leading companies um, headed in that direction, trying to hire and find more female engineers uh, and more tech savvy women. I think we're headed in the right direction. I think a lot of other companies um, are jumping on board as well. It's just it's just taking time because it might start with an engineer, for example. It starts with women out of high school right? Um, we're talking going like into an engineering degree. STEM education exactly. debates here, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, working with you cycling has given me some encouragement in that realm. Uh, and I, we just had a handful of girls on our team, but they're all very interested in, in heading that direction. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome at the high school level to see girls who are passionate about mountain biking and then ask, like, I want a career in the outdoor industry. Like, I want to go into the cycling industry as my profession. That was, I mean, when I was in high school, that was unheard of. Like, right. you were going to school and you were going to be, you know a doctor, a lawyer, uh, yeah, anything else. HR, marketing like Yeah. Um there was no concept even when I was at SRM, I didn't really think there was this concept of having a profession, a career um in the cycling industry. So what would you say since we've got a mic in front of you and at <laughs> least 10 whole tens of people are going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I've told no one. So. Oh boy. <laughs> we'll have to fix that. Um, what advice would you give to any women out there, you know, girls, even older women in their career who say, no, no, I think working in the outdoor space or the bike industry, I think I want to try that. Yeah. Um, I think there's this misconception that your prof your passion cannot become your profession um like what you do for fun um like se separate those you know that's just what you do for fun and I, I thought the same way too like i got a job at rei for fun for the pro deals srm kind of fell in my lap and it was kind of fun i have a degree in philosophy and a degree in biology <laughs> like there was obviously no I had no direction of like, oh, I think the outdoor industry. Uh, but there's so many women out there who are passionate runners, cyclists, climbers. Um, and you can have a career in this industry. Like you can take all that passion uh, and make it your profession. Well, as as dudes, <laughs> yep. what would you say we can do to help support that progression of more women in the industry? Oh, yeah, that's a good, good question. Because um, <laughs> I'm all about it. Yeah. I think just encouraging more women to experience outdoor sports, um, whether that's hiking, I mean, hiking, backpacking, camping, like it doesn't have to be extreme cycling, um, skiing, snowboarding, 
uh, we just need more women in this industry. And I think as guys, girlfriends, daughters, like raise them in the outdoors, um, show them what the outdoors is like. I never, I mean, I loved my upbringing and soccer was amazing, but I do joke around that I've lived in Colorado since I was five years old and I had no idea that there was mountain biking and monument until I was 24 years old. Like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there's some of the best trails in the area are up in monument. So secret. Yeah. yeah. Secret. Keep secret. It secret. I mean, they're terrible. No one <laughs> right. should ride them. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good to hear because, you know, somewhat jokingly, the other advice that we've been given on the show about getting women involved as a guy is just don't make them cry. But oh, well. <laughs> there's more to the picture than that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, create an inviting space. Um, there, It's great that there's dude rides all the time and there's the bros and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But um, the the mixed rides, male and female. Um, it seems like your journey has taken you all over to a bunch of different places and you've I'm probably had the opportunity to ride in some incredible avenues. Uh do you have any fun or interesting or silly encounters that you've had on on those rides? Wildlife or yeah, bystanders that got hit? I, yeah, I, I mean, because you've listened to a couple episodes, you said you know this question's coming. Yeah, ridden in the Jackson area and carried the bear spray, but never had to use it. Um, good, that's good. We should get Kip a can of that. We should. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, you know, I haven't. I haven't really. Any just really memorable experiences that stand out to you? Riding in the Whistler area is always very nostalgic for me. Um, The riding there is incredible and it's beautiful, but that was kind of my first real event with SRAM when I went with the SRAM Women's Program to my first Crankworks Whistler. And so that event was the biggest mountain bike festival I'd ever gone to. Um, saw racing at a level I'd never seen before. Was pretty new to SRAM within the first two years, maybe, and kind of went to help coach the SRAM women's program. And I think that was like such a pivotal moment in everything else that transpired with all the other coaching, the Juliana team, me even be- wanting to be a product manager. Um, and so Whistler always holds a very special place. Uh, that also goes down to Squamish and Vancouver. Can't leave those out either, but it's always one of, every time I'm there, it doesn't matter what the weather is. I'm just like, this, this is it. Like this, like peaceful, like (laughs) this place made me who I am today. Uh, kind of. And it was just that, that one event. I don't even know what year it was, maybe 2017. Um, first Crankworks Whistler. So, well, we like to do a thing called best day, worst day. Okay. Seems like that might be in contention. But it do you might. have uh, what about the other side of the coin? Any mountain biking obviously is a sport where there's a good deal of both chosen and unchosen suffering. Yes. Have mm-hmm. you had any standout days where you thought I really should not have gotten out of bed this morning? Yeah, actually, it was. I believe it was last summer. So I think for 4th of July, I had gone to the Monarch area and spent the weekend dirt biking mm-hmm. and had a pretty bad crash on my hip and thought immediately like, oh, I broke my hip. But I didn't, just bruised really well. But three mm-hmm. days later, my friends were surprised to see me wanting to go for a mountain bike ride on the Tuesday night, kind of ladies night ride that we do. And we went up and rode... We'll say a trail off a of blue Columbine <laughs> and uh, was heading down it, got stuck in a rut, front wheel skipped up and ran into a tree Ooh. and kind of neck hit the tree, slammed me back on the ground. Three days after I'm like hip injury. And so my friend comes running up. I had the wind knocked out of me, so I can't breathe. And she's like thinking yeah. it's my hip. And I'm just like, I don't know what it is, but like the whole right side of my body had just seized up. Like, oh I don't know gosh. if it was like broken ribs, dislocated ribs. I, I don't know. But 
I've never had to walk out of somewhere before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I couldn't even sit on my bike, so I had to walk down. And that was probably the worst day I've ever had on a bike and something that I probably shouldn't have been out there riding anyway. How, how many um, miles out did you have to hike? Oh, just down Gold Camp pretty oh, okay. much to the Buckhorn lot and okay. then got picked up there. But I also was so mad at myself because seven days later, I had to go up to Grand Targi and coach for Ladies All Ride. Oh. <laughs> and that was all I thought about was oh, like, yeah. I, oh my gosh, I hurt myself. Like, I can't, I can't coach. No, this, no. <laughs> yeah, like, like, no, this can't be happening. I don't care. I'm not even going to talk about what's wrong with me. Like, coaching, I have to coach in a week. <laughs> and that was like all I could think about and say. And so in service of that, did you just sort of selectively decide not to seek medical help so then you wouldn't know what you had maybe broken? No, I ended up going to the ER, which makes me always see dollar signs um, after hours. And I went and sat down in the chair. It was COVID too, so it was no, like yeah. awkward in there. And I sat down and I kind of shifted my body a little bit. And all of a sudden, the right side of my body moved and I had like instant relief. Whoa. And it was so weird. Like I could not move to all of a sudden I could like move my right hand above my head. And so I got up and went to check in and was like, I'm leaving. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay. And I walk out and my friend's like shoving my bike in my car to keep it safe. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're leaving. And she's like, what? No, wait, what? <laughs> and I went home and I was super sore and I still to this day have issues with i don't even know yeah collarbone shoulder i don't know but um yeah it was so weird how yeah and then i, I kept saying like everyone's like you should go get an x-ray you should go get an x-ray and i was like but i have full range of motion i have full strength i don't think anything's wrong <laughs> yeah there probably is something wrong but i mean they say mountain bikers heal quickly but that might be the quickest i've heard yet it's pretty yeah. impressive yeah. Yeah. yeah and i showed up i had some pretty bad whiplash so that yeah. was the hardest part about coaching in Grand Target. It was just on your feet all day and just my neck was just so sore. But <laughs> man. Yeah, I don't go that fast anymore though. <laughs> <laughs> That's epic. Uh well, would you would you call that experience um at Crankworks your best day or is there another one on the plate? Um, I think so. It might be up there with I've had I had some pretty good memorable memorable days coaching uh, with the Juliana team, especially the days where um, I got to ride with them um, on some of the courses, and then uh, going to France. So my first trip to Europe ever was to Rock de Jure a couple years ago. So flew flying into Nice, France. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, there that was probably one of the best days too. But I'm also really excited about this. I say new position. I've been a product manager for almost two years now still feels mm -hmm. very still new, feels new uh but the places that this role will take me um i'm very excited about italy portugal i don't know australia maybe someday so and to ride my bike like i mean it doesn't get a lot better than that <laughs> it does not what would you say your life in cycling either as a coach mechanic or just a rider or a racer has taught you about life in general I think I have to go back to that community and belonging. And um, if you surround yourself with the right network of people um, and you find your people, you, you can do anything and you'll live a very, very fulfilling life. So I don't think I would be anywhere where I'm at today without the people uh, in my life. Are there... Any aspects of your life that are not involved with cycling? Uh, dirt biking, but that's kind of cycling. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. it's Well, <laughs> it depends on who you ask. I mean, a bit of a throttle. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the e-bikers are basically that yeah. now anyway. No, I mean, I've, especially being in this industry for as long as I have, I've learned uh, probably in the last few years that in order to remain healthy and motivated uh at my job i do need to separate myself away from the bike because as awesome as the bike is it can be seen as always work 
Mm, and yeah. I know people laugh at me when I'm like, oh, I have to go and ride my bike today for this and that. But <laughs> there are times where it's just it feels like work and it's not fun anymore. Um, and I tend to get burnt out around the fall um, mm -hmm. of every year. And I've really found that I appreciate the seasons of Colorado because snow starts falling and it allows me sometimes. to sometimes yeah. <laughs> to really put away the bike, um, an avid snowboarder in the winter. And then three years ago, I learned how to dirt bike and that has become like my new favorite thing. So, okay. So you're bridging across between two worlds here. Yes. So has this changed how you ride, say North Cheyenne Canyon? No, like a little bit. I mean, I still, I still enjoy all the North Cheyenne Canyon stuff on a mountain bike, but I also appreciate Cheyenne Canyon <laughs> a lot more than I used to. Gotcha. Um, you think it's like, cool, we've got Captain Jacks and you've got Jones and you've got Pipeline and okay, we've got new Daniels, but there is so much open space, just old stage all the way to, I think, Cripple Creek, mm -hmm. um, just vast, vast amounts um, of land up there. And yeah. I, when you think it's just Cheyenne Canyon, it's like, no, like you could go for miles and miles and miles. Um, and get away from the city in an hour. Like, it's it's pretty cool up there. I mean, that is pretty tempting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a money suck. Oh, well, there's yeah, that. Yeah, the whole dirt biking thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. SRAM doesn't make dirt bike parts yet. No. True. That I know of. Not, Back to not, those e-bikes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> e-bikes are super fun, too. Like, yeah, I mean, we're not going to bag. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Some of the some of the best times I've had on a mountain bike have been on an e-bike, like permagrin the whole time. You're climbing, you're like smiling the whole time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, we really appreciate you uh, coming to join us here and sharing some of your story and the adventure you've had so far. Uh, we are grateful for you doing what you're doing and trying to integrate more of the mountain biking world and get more women involved. And uh, if we can be a support in any way. Let us know. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you both for reaching out. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank All you. Right. If you want to know more about Stand Up Pedal Action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>